This episode of The Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by Braintree. Are you looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about any payment method with one simple integration. Plus, we'll give you your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com useful. This episode of The Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by CardsDirect.com. With over 5,000 cards to choose from, you can design the perfect holiday cards with CardsDirect.com. The holidays are just a few weeks away, so create your cards today. Plus, save 25% off at checkout when you visit cardsdirect.com useful. On Earth, it's easy to get caught up in the daily grind of going to work, cleaning your house, cooking your food, and never looking up at the sky. But if you never look up at the sky, you never learn cool things about stars and planets, such as the fact that Jupiter's great red spot is shrinking, or that Saturn's rings are possibly the flattest structure known to man. Saturn's rings are 175,000 miles long, but only about 30 feet thick in some places. Today, we talked to Ed Ting, an amateur astronomer who started the telescope advice website scopereviews.com, about choosing a telescope and getting started in astronomy. We also get a chance to check out the brand new, today, iPad Pro and Apple Pencil, and we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about underwear. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and this is the most useful podcast ever. This episode of the most useful podcast ever is brought to you by Braintree. It's code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, and even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, we'll support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support mean you'll always be ready, whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned cards and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com useful. So we have with us here Ed Ting, who is uh, started the website scopereviews.com, knows a heck of a lot about telescopes, is an amateur astronomer, and is going to help us figure out how you'd buy a telescope and what you need to know. Thank you for joining us, Ed. Thank you for having me. So we were just talking, and you were telling me about the fact that most uh, astronomers are not actually professionals, they're amateurs, but they still do a lot of good work. Can you kind of explain how that happens? Yeah, actually, astronomy is the last hard science where, astron- where amateurs are actually making a difference. Um, there actually aren't enough professional astronomers out there doing things, and they actually rely on we amateurs to tell them things. And the reason for that is if you're a geologist, it's very rare that you get to play with a big diamond, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. But if you're an astronomer, I mean, you look up at the sky, you have access to the same stuff to look at that mm-hmm. everybody else does. Um, and so with the advent of technology and imaging equipment and cameras, um, amateurs can now wind up doing things that are actually better than what astronomers are doing just a generation ago. Um, and how, so probably some of that depends on your telescope, which I know you're a little bit of an expert on. How good of a scope can an amateur really get? Uh, they can get pretty good these days. Um, I was talking with the editor of one of the major magazines, and uh, even a generation ago, if you held up a cover of a picture of Jupiter, and he said that was the best picture that a professional could take at the time. And they said, today, we wouldn't even print that. Wow. Um, 
And, and I would even say that I'm not a great photographer, but I might be able to beat that image that the guy had held up. Is it just that there are better lenses now, better technology? Yeah, the technology's gotten a lot better. Um, sometimes, the, you know, looking at things at the night sky is a very pure activity, if you think about it. And you just sit there and you contemplate your place in the cosmos and all of this great stuff. But these days, a lot of telescopes have lots of gadgets attached to them. Um, and those can be fun. I mean, I don't know about you. I work with computers all day long, and the last thing I want to do in my personal time is play with more computers. So mm -hmm. I actually like the telescopes that don't have a lot of electronic gizmos on them. Uh, it's more of a sort of more more of a purist uh, approach. Right. So, if somebody is going to go out and start getting into astronomy, what uh, I know, I actually saw on your website that you have some tips for beginners. What are the basics of what you'd tell somebody? Well. the the primary function of a telescope is to gather light. And if you think about it, the human eye can only open up to a certain amount of you know, light-gathering ability, usually about 7 millimeters or so. But if you have a telescope with a lens or a mirror that's 4 or 6 inches in diameter, if you think about it, that can actually gather a lot more light. Uh, a lot of people don't realize a lot of the objects up in the sky are quite large. Uh, for example, the Andromeda Galaxy, which you can see right now on a clear night, is actually about eight times the diameter of the full moon. And it's just hanging up there. The problem is your eye doesn't gather enough light to see it. So mm -hmm. even with a small telescope or with a pair of binoculars, you'll see this, this large, hazy, oval, frisbee-shaped thing careening out of the field of view. So the purpose of all other things being equal, uh, buy the telescope that has the larger opening. So the larger is always better. Okay. And what, uh, what would that be called? Uh, that's called the aperture. Okay. And what sizes are standard? Uh, what we normally recommend is that you start with something right around that six-inch level. Um, a six-inch telescope gathers something like 500 times the amount of light that uh, uh, the human eye does. And it's usually enough to keep you busy for a long time and possibly even forever. We tell people sometimes just get a star atlas and an old pair of binoculars. And, I mean, I didn't have any money as a kid growing up, uh, so that's all I did. I had a book that I borrowed from the library, and I had a pair of binoculars. And the sky is always changing, so it took me a, a good year before I ran out of things to look at. So there's no reason to, to have to jump into this right away. The, the sky is always changing. That's, that's something about um, astronomy that's always confused me. Okay. Are there certain constellations, are there certain things that are always visible and then other things that aren't? How, can, you, can you explain it simply? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so one thing is if you get a star atlas, there's a device called a planisphere. Plane and then the, the letter I and sphere. And it's literally, it takes the sky and it puts it down into a two-dimensional thing, and it's a little disk that rotates. So you dial in the time of day and the time of year, and it shows you what's up in the night sky. So you, for about five bucks, you can get something that'll teach you a lot about the, you know, the night sky. But if you think about it, the Earth is always going around the sun. So at any particular season, the Earth will be facing a different part of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the Earth is always spinning around. It turns around once every 24 hours. So if you were to stand out there on a clear night long enough, Eventually, the sky would change, and you'd find new things to look at. Mm -hmm. So, if you, if, I mean, you, you have to envision the Earth spinning once every 24 hours around the sun, going around once a year. The physics around it get a little bit complicated, but you get the idea that things are always moving and that things are always changing. Right. So, uh, you've got a telescope of some sort. 
what uh what should you look at i mean what would you recommend do you, should you go straight for a planet a star does it matter uh the moon uh, the moon is always a good one because everybody can find the moon. Uh, the moon is a bit of a. <laughs> be bad if you topic. couldn't. <laughs> yes. Well, the moon is a divisive topic among amateur astronomers because the people who love to look at the moon, they can't wait for it to come back. It's easy to find. You don't actually need a lot of aperture to look at the moon because it's bright. If you think about it, you don't have to gather a lot of light to look at the moon. Uh, but people who like to look at deeper objects, you know, the star clusters and the galaxies and the nebula, uh, they hate the moon. Uh, and the reason is because when the moon's up in the sky, it's almost like having a miniature sun up in the sky, if you think about it. So it washes out the night sky. The sky isn't black anymore. It's dark blue, and they can't wait for the moon to go away. So, oh. uh, but, but starting out, the moon is really great. And one thing we always tell people is that the moon looks better live than it does through any telescope, uh, through any picture, excuse me. And nobody believes that until they actually see the moon through a telescope and people will exclaim all sorts of interesting things like, wow, it really does have craters, you know. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But uh, it, it's hard to describe, but if you have a pair of binoculars or a small telescope, try pointing it at the moon, no matter how bad the telescope may be, you might be shocked at how good the view is of the moon. It's when you try to get deeper out in the sky that some of the less expensive equipment starts to let you down. Right. Um, speaking of speaking of equipment, is there a particular brand or uh, variety of scope that you would recommend for somebody who's just getting started? The most common answer you're going to get is a six-inch reflecting telescope of some kind. There's two ways you can go with this. There's a kind that actually tracks the stars. You know, the Earth is always turning. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the Earth turns actually is a big pain to some astronomers because it's not, things don't sit still. So you have to have this contraption that turns the telescope in the exact opposite direction that the Earth is turning so that the object appears still in the eyepiece. Oh. And when people hear that, they always say, oh, yeah, I want that. I don't want the kind where that's just manual and it's going to move. Well, that's okay. Just be aware that some of those devices come with their own computers, and you're going to have to learn how to initialize, troubleshoot, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, is a, there is a phenomenon that I refer to as it was working fine just five minutes ago syndrome. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It's working just fine, and you'll be at a skywatch with 100 kids who want to look at the moon through your telescope. And then, like any other computer, they sometimes do crash, and you're sitting there, you spend the, next, the rest of the night fumbling, and you have 100 angry kids behind you. So just be aware. I'm not against this. I have those telescopes myself. Just be aware that there is no such thing as a perfect setup. Everything's a bit of a trade-off. Right. One question, though. I live in New York City, and there's a lot of light pollution here. How is there a fix for that, or do you just kind of, you're stuck with where you live? Yeah, I hear from a lot of people in New York City. Um, and there are things you can do, even though it's very light polluted. You can look at the moon. Um, the brighter planets, Venus, Saturn, and Jupiter, will punch through the light pollution. Um, you can spend a lifetime looking at Jupiter, for instance. Jupiter has four moons that orbit around Jupiter, and unlike our moon, which takes 29 and a half days to go around the Earth, Jupiter is a very heavy planet with a lot of mass, and it slings those moons around in as little as a couple of days. So if you were to sit there and watch Jupiter and its moons over the course of one night, you would actually see those moons shuttling back and forth. Oh, that's cool. And when one of Jupiter's moons passes in front of the planet, it actually casts a shadow on the planet itself. It almost looks like somebody used a hole punch on the planet. Huh. Uh, so that's, that's very exciting to do. But yeah. to answer your broader question, um, yeah, you really do need to get to a dark sky site to really get to that deep stuff. 
And if you're looking for an offbeat vacation to take, there are astronomy bed and breakfasts in place like, places like Arizona and New Mexico. Oh, cool. Where they have 330 clear nights a year. There's no humidity in, in the air. And it's usually just like a guy with a trailer and a big observatory. But one of the worst parts of this hobby is breaking down all that equipment at the end of the night. Well, this way you don't have to do it. You, know, you, you observe until you drop, and then you collapse into bed, and you know, then you're good to go. And then you sleep all day when it's too hot to do anything anyway because you're in the yeah, desert. Yeah, they serve you lunch at midnight, and they do all these interesting things. I am really excited to go look at the moon now. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Deck the halls this year with custom holiday cards from CardsDirect.com. Whether it's for your family or business, CardsDirect.com has you covered with traditional and corporate cards and a variety of unique printing formats. You can add a photo, logo, or a custom message, and with over 5,000 cards to choose from, you're sure to create the perfect holiday cards. Plus, with express shipping, they'll be here quick, like the holidays. Most useful podcast ever listeners save an extra 25% off at CardsDirect.com useful. Don't wait. The holidays are only six weeks away. Just visit cardsdirect.com slash useful. That's cardsdirect.com slash useful. We are back in the Popular Mechanics Workshop for Testing Table. I have two people here who, and we have two people here, and everyone has their product today, so I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, Matt Goulet, you are our associate editor and are wearing a pair of very interesting underwear. Is that correct? Yes, I'm, I'm wearing them now. You're wearing them right now. And then we also have uh, Alex George, who is another associate editor here, who has the iPad Pro. Um, that Are your notes on the iPad Pro right now? Uh, yeah. Everything <laughs> since I got it yesterday. Oh, noon. there's the stylus. There it is. We'll get into it. <laughs> um, so, Macaulay, tell us, more about, tell us more about your underwear. My underwear is special because into the crotchal area of it <laughs> are sewn two small panels that creates sort of a pouch or sack if you oh, will. Oh, sacks, that's the name yeah, of it. Yeah, that, that is sort of purported to kind of create a little uh, like supportive area for for your, is uh, that, okay, for your undercarriage. I'm not a male um, mm -hmm. but I kind of thought that was the point of boxer briefs. Don't they all do that? Yes and no. Uh, for the most part, and actually I know this weirdly from my last job. Uh, <laughs> most underwear is like built and it's like the seams are cut to not really, it, they just sort of kind of smash everything in okay. and it's just sort of kind of crunches everything up and contains it and you get things like chafing and, and it's kind of sweaty mess down there every now and again. It, it's just, it's awful. So they're cut as if you're like a Ken doll basically. Essentially, it yeah, it, it sort of takes anything that kind of, you know, should or hangs or, or, or kind of pro is propped away from your body on a usual basis from the rest of you. I'm loving that. I feel like this is going to be like a very euphemism heavy <laughs> yes. episode yeah. here. It, it takes those things on your person and sort of kind of puts them in a nice little package for you. And it's, it's like someone. That's what these do. Yeah. It's like it's like when you're generally holding an apple. It's know? Okay. This is a, that's an amazing metaphor. It's, uh, um, so are these for sports? What are these for? Yeah, so they, the Saks makes like a whole line, and it's you know it's supposed to be for everyday underwear, and it's just kind of it's, it's purported to be a little more comfortable, more supportive 
uh, underwear. It's almost like having like a built-in jock strap in your underwear. Right. Um, so, you know, things aren't, again, knocking around. They say it really cuts back on like chafing if that's something that you can tend to have I had no idea you. that this was, is this really a problem? Underwear is awful. See, for men, yes. underwear is really awful. Yes. This is really, I, our producer is also nodding. That's unbelievable. Yes. I had no idea if, this was such a big if problem. If there's one industry that needs disruption, it's underwear. And, and Saks is attempting it. And it's, it's a good, good Men rule good the start. world. Y'all can't make yourselves underwear? It's terrible. That's ridiculous. Can't take care of ourselves. Oh my God. You need, yes. You know what you need? You need a woman running that industry. Probably. Moving on from underwear, I think, temporarily. We'll get back to the underwear. Please, I know everyone's so, so excited about the underwear. Um, moving on from the underwear, just temporarily. Um, are you pro-stylist or anti-stylist? Pro this one. Really? I really hate to admit how, much, how awesome it is. Here, I'm going to hand this around to you guys, and you can kind of see what it's like to use this thing. Yeah, this is pretty. I'm making a. I'm making a drawing. What is what is this? this All right. So the like, lowdown is. So what you're holding is this thing called that was announced at the same time as this as the iPad Pro called Apple Pencil. Everyone rolled their eyes at it. It's 99 bucks. It's this basically a long stylus. It's so Apple's thing has always been to just take an existing idea, smartwatch, uh, tablets to begin with, all those, and just actually make like pretty much the best version of it. So the the tablet, the iPad Pro has these little. It's got these. This super thin uh, sensor layer that senses how deep you're pressing something, like the new iPhones and all that. Mm -hmm. It's got Bluetooth in it, so it orients itself. Uh, it sen so it sends information to the iPad while you're drawing. It's doing all this crazy stuff. And it's also got sensors on the tip. So, like, you know, if you take a, um, uh, let me think, like a highlighter, you can do, like, if you hold it at 90 degrees, it just does a fine line like that. And mm -hmm. if you tilt it, it does a broader line. Mm -hmm. So it can actually do that. Oh, I should have tried that. And now when you have the pen pencil in your hand, put your two fingers on the surface and just kind of hold them there for a sec. Cool. What? So a ruler pops up and it has a little um, a degree hold? indicator on there. <laughs> oh and you can God, hold man. it and then draw parallel lines with it. <laughs> Sorry, I just yelled. It's amazing. That uh, that was the most excited I think I've ever seen anyone. This is really cool, though. All right, so here's where the problems come in. It's 800 bucks for the smallest one, and then 1079 for So it's a ton of money. And then that's on top of that uh, Apple Pencil that's $99 by itself. Okay. So just to, that, uh, to move on for that for just a second, the item that I am testing here is called the uh, Hypersphere from Hyper Ice, which is a company that makes uh, athletic uh, recovery tools. I'm recovering from surgery um, on my leg, and you know you, you end up with like weird pains and things don't work right, and you know one muscle is sore than another when you're trying to do that. Um, so what this is supposed to be is a version of like the softball or a tennis ball that you roll your muscles out on, but, uh, and, and to reduce knots and to increase flexibility, um, and then recovery time, uh, decrease recovery time after exercising, but it vibrates. Um, and if I raise kind of hard, so if I, oh, I've got to turn it on first. And then if you hit it once, it vibrates hard enough oh, yeah. that you can probably hear it. Um, you can definitely hear it if I turn it up louder <laughs> oh my god ah. um and then if, if, you're, if it's on the top one you like can almost not even touch it ah. so mean, you're rolling that on your hamstring and it's just it feels honestly it, it feels so great like it um i was just doing it i was just doing it this morning because i have i had a workout with a personal trainer trying Ooh. to get better Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and i was like i was laying on it, and i was like oh my god this feels so like it just kind of like mellows everything out you can feel it like activating all the muscles and relaxing everything yeah um 
And I can see how it'd be great. The real problem that I have with it, which I uh, was saying earlier, is that it's just you're supposed to like lean on it on the floor, and it's just so loud. It's so impractical. Like if you have wood floors, basically your next door neighbors are just like, "Are you jackhammering up there? What are you doing? Like put it on the table right now." And like you see what I mean? Like, that, we have that's, a belt sander. Exactly. That's that's not even on the high setting, or was it? Yeah, like it's, I mean, so it's just, it's kind of impractical. You need to do it on a bed, kind of. And then you don't really get the, like, the really, like, deep muscle effect that you would have rolling on, like, a tennis ball quite as much. But um, but it does feel really good. And also, it, and even if you do it on a bed, it makes your bed sound like one of those vibrating beds in a motel, which is a little weird, but. How much does this cost? Uh, it's $150. It's kind of, honestly, it's kind of worth it. I think. Um, I, I'm definitely going to use, continue using it and I would probably buy it even though I just, I would probably buy it. I'd be more likely to buy it if I had my own house somewhere <laughs> where, where like I didn't have close enough neighbors or like, what are you good? What are you doing with that? Um, yeah. So isn't it amazing? It, it was a, a ball that kind of gave you your injury. It's going to be a ball that's going to help you recover. That's from right. Uh, yeah. Listeners, I, I injured myself <laughs> ashes playing, ashes playing, stuff. playing kickball. Ashes to ashes, balls to balls. And speaking of balls, <laughs> speaking of balls, would you buy your underwear, Matt? Uh, you know, I think I would. I would give it a spin. I, it's it's it seems embarrassing to buy. Like it's like I, I'm buying underwear that's sort of going to essentially lift and separate. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of you know bringing that up to the register would be uncomfortable. But I think the benefits are there. And then finally, the the only person here with a, a really decent, respectable gadget, <laughs> Alex George. <laughs> Um, which of yours would you buy and why and uh, when? Oh, so we got the, all right, so the iPad Pro, the keyboard that comes with it, but these, it's not going to replace your laptop. It can't do everything that your, you know, like an actual laptop does. It's freaking awesome. It's a pleasure to use. Um, yeah, I would, I think I would probably end up buying one. I, since we, if you, as long as you have a regular computer, it's only a supplementary thing. Um, well, thank you guys. I, um, I almost want to try those underwear now. our show the most useful podcast ever is produced by jack dylan we'd like to thank sarah bentley and andy bowers from panoply and popular mechanics editor-in-chief ryan d'agostino please subscribe to our show on itunes and while you're there please leave us a comment we'd love to know what you think if you want to read more about astronomy new technology like the ipad pro and probably even underwear you should check out our website popularmechanics.com podcast we cover all of that stuff while you're there you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of popular mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening. People who like to look at deeper objects, you know, the star clusters and the galaxies and the nebula, uh, they hate the moon.